0: sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is Mark Crutcher, as you heard, and lurking across the table is Sarah Waits.
1: Yep, and I've got some articles, Mark, here that I was really hoping to talk about because I think we've got some interesting perspectives on it. So the first one is Olympic athlete Brianna McNeil had an abortion, and really the short way that all this came out was she was supposed to have a required drug test, as all the Olympic athletes are, but... She had the abortion two days before the drug test and she says that she had been on a whole bunch of medications and was dopey and so she missed the person coming to her house to do the test and the phone call. And so... She got documents to try to prove, you know, why she missed it. She was trying to be vague about it at first. But on the documents, she thought that they had the date of the abortion incorrect. And so she changed the medical documents, and they noticed that. So they asked for more documents. And the more documents she got from the abortion clinic showed the same date. So she changed those as well. And so it was kind of a snowball effect from that. But This is
0: like a bad state. The more you chew it, the bigger <laughs> it gets.
1: Yeah. So... They requested documents directly from the abortion clinic, which showed a different date. And so all of this culminated with an investigation. And what they did was the Athletics Integrity Unit banned her from competing in the Olympics. And she was disciplined with a five-year suspension. She appealed. But on Friday, the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Switzerland upheld the suspension and added that she is now disqualified from all events from February 13, 2020. Keep in mind, her abortion was in January of 2020 all the way to August 14th, 2020. And she gave up all medals, prizes, and money won during that time. Now, I think the interesting thing on why they said that she's disqualified from February 13th to August 14th, I suspect has something to do with something that's called blood doping. Now, I don't think she did it, but that's something I think they're concerned about. And why don't you talk about it? Because nobody talks about this.
0: Yeah, we covered this on Life Talk many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. It's known that if you have a larger volume of blood in your body than what is normal mm-hmm. for you, that you have more oxygen and you can perform better in athletics mm-hmm. with more blood. So one of the things that used to happen was that, let's say you were you know a track and field athlete or whatever. Before you competed, a week or so before, 10 days, they would take a pint of blood from you mm-hmm. and store it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the day before you were to compete, they'd put that blood back in you. Okay. So your body had replenished it, and Mm -hmm. now it had more blood because they had put back the blood that they had taken out, which your body had now replenished. Mm -hmm. It was called blood Mm -hmm. doping. And um, the um, people who run the Olympics said, no, this is not right. You can't be doing this. This is tantamount to drugs using performance-enhancing drugs. So they started outlawing that. How they policed it, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that happened was that Some of these athletes discovered that when a woman is pregnant, her blood volume goes up.
1: Yeah, makes sense.
0: So they caught some of these women getting pregnant on purpose and then having Hmm. abortions after the Olympics Mm
1: -hmm. because they
0: didn't get pregnant to have a baby. They got pregnant
1: to boost their their performance. performance. Yeah.
0: As a matter of fact, there were some Americans that were involved in this too, but the primary culprits here were the Russians. Mm -hmm. And one Russian team had like six women on this particular team, whatever it was, bobsledding or something. Mm-hmm. And like four of them got pregnant and then had abortions right after the Olympics. All yep. of them were impregnated by the coach. It was just kind of his mm-hmm. job to get these women pregnant. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a story on the issue of, should women be allowed to have abortions if they got pregnant on purpose? Yeah. And, you know, people say, oh, well, women don't do that. Well, actually... They, it happens. Do. they do have, and mm-hmm. this was one example of it. Another one was...
1: Women who are concerned after they get an abortion that they can't get pregnant again because yeah. abortion frequently causes damages... Causes infertility. Causes infertility because it damages the wall of your uterus. Right.
0: Yeah, and so women will go out and get immediately get pregnant again just to see if they can. Mm-hmm. And this becomes a nonstop deal because, the, okay, you have the second abortion, and you say, well, maybe that one did it, so I better... Yeah. But anyway, Oprah Winfrey had a show on women who got pregnant on purpose in order to trap a guy into marrying him Yeah. And one of the girls that was on this show did this. Mm-hmm. And when it didn't work, he went off and married somebody else or took off or whatever he did. She went out and had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And there were other examples of situations where women got pregnant on purpose. Yeah. And then had abortions.
1: Now, we're not saying that... Rihanna McNeil had an abortion for this reason. No. But I just thought it was an interesting time to bring up this point.
0: But my question was, back in those days, and it still is, Mm -hmm. if there's nothing wrong with abortion, Mm -hmm. then what's wrong with what these women did? Yeah. You know, if it's just a simple medical procedure that has no moral component to it, why is it any different, for example, than one thing that we know is common, is for women who might be in a situation where they're getting a promotion at work, mm-hmm. but they find out they're pregnant a week before they get this promotion and they think, well, I, wait a minute, I can't go into this new job, so I'm going to have an abortion. Yeah. So they have an abortion, even if they got intentionally pregnant Yeah. and maybe were happy about the pregnancy, but they did it to enhance their career. Yeah. What's different between that and a woman who does this as an athletic deal?
1: Well, I think it's interesting because frequently you see pro-choicers, especially feminist pro-choicers out there saying that, you know, in order for a woman to succeed in the world, she can't have children. She has to have an abortion. She has to basically function like a man in the working world in order to get ahead. And how is that women's empowerment? It's not,
0: and they're lying.
1: Yeah, and the thing I I think is sad about this deal is McNeil got an abortion because she wanted to compete in the 2020 Olympic Games, and she thought her pregnancy would get in the way of that. Of course, COVID hits, and the Olympic Games were actually pushed to 2021. So the salt and the wound in that deal was that she actually could have had the child and still been able to compete. And she said she began to feel guilty about the abortion and suffered from depression. Well, yeah. And she's not the only Olympic athlete who's gone through this. In 2017, Olympic gold medalist Sonia Richards Ross admitted in her book, Chasing Grace, that she discovered she was pregnant right before she was supposed to leave for the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. And so the day before her flight, she had an abortion. And she wrote in the book, everything I ever wanted seemed to be within reach. The culmination of a lifetime of work was right before me. In that moment, it seemed like no choice at all. The debate of when life begins swirled through my head and the veil of a child out of wedlock at the prime of my career seemed unbearable. What would my sponsors, my family, my church, and my fans think of me? She added that prioritizing athletic goals over the gift of life was the norm, So she saw other
0: examples of it.
1: Yeah, and she talks about that, that she saw so many women making the same choice. In fact, I've got an audio clip here where she did an interview on Sports Illustrated, where they talk about this.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Here's the clip. One of the gold medals that you won in a relay was 2008, and you reveal in this book that you had an abortion two weeks before that Olympic Games. Why did you want to reveal that very personal moment in the book?
0: The truth is, it's an issue that's not really talked about, especially in sports. And a lot of young women have experienced this. Like, I literally don't know another female track and field athlete who hasn't had an abortion. And that's sad. And so for me, I'm hoping that this will open up some discussions to helping especially a lot, lot of young women who were in my situation not experience what I did. So she's saying basically, this is very common mm-hmm. that women in these situations have abortions. They
1: feel like they're forced to. You
0: know, to compete.
1: I feel like a lot of this starts out when we're in high school and all the messages about teen pregnancy and how pregnancy ruins your life, it kind of transcends later on in life to, it's like, oh, you can't have a baby and be successful in this. Right,
0: right. Despite the fact that there's millions of women who have been very successful.
1: And you bring it up and pro-choice is like, oh, well, they're the exception. Right. Really?
0: Are they? Right. You know, this also brings up another issue here that's not directly related to abortion. We have this situation now where this runner from Dallas... Mm-hmm. Is supposedly the fastest woman in the, maybe in the world, but certainly in the United States, and she's been told now that she can't compete in this year's Olympics because she tested positive for having used marijuana, mm-hmm. and so she's being thrown out of the Olympics because of this. Yeah, and yet there's a man who, for the last year, has been undergoing hormone therapy to transition into a woman.
1: Mm-hmm. Who's competing in the weightlifting. women's women's weightlifting.
0: And he's going to set all the records. He was like not even within the top 300 men in the world in weightlifting. But all of a sudden, he's going to be the number one in women's weightlifting.
1: I think I may be wrong, but this person is going to be the officially the first trans athlete to compete in the Olympics.
0: Right. But what I'm saying is this guy has taken hormone treatments for a year but he's okay to compete. This girl took not, marijuana. Which is
1: not, an, a, and I'm not defending performance-enhancing drug. I'm
0: not defending her using marijuana by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But is there a double standard here? Yeah. And I don't see everything like what we're seeing in our society today where everything is racial by any stretch of the imagination. But I will point out that this man, and I don't care what he calls him, trans or whatever he wants to call himself, it's a white male and she's a black female. I don't know if that plays into it or not. I tend to not think it does. But we live in a culture now where everything is racial. We saw not long ago a situation where some people were saying that eating cauliflower was white privilege. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah. It's mind-boggling.
1: I don't know. When you eat uh, some of the cauliflower, mashed potatoes, or rice, it doesn't feel like privilege when you're eating it. (laughs) No,
0: it sure (laughs) doesn't. But we now have gotten to the point where the term racist doesn't mean anything because everybody's a racist. Every person on the face of the earth is a racist, so therefore the term doesn't mean anything.
1: The irony that I find in this is that so many of the people I've seen speaking out on the pro-choice side are talking about racial justice, are some of the same people who've been making excuses and trying to rationalize the views of Margaret Sanger and other eugenicists right. for decades right. to overlook the racism of abortion and how the minority communities have been singled out for abortion. Right. And That's what it has right. done to them, not just from a cultural aspect, not just from a genocide aspect, from a political aspect as well.
0: Well, absolutely, because you know we hear a lot of talk about voter suppression. Yeah. There is no greater tool ever devised for voter suppression than legalized abortion.
1: You can't vote if you're not alive. Yeah.
0: What good does the vote do to a dead kid? Yeah. Our enemies are the most irrational. And I don't know really if irrational is a word. I think they understand that some of their arguments they're making are not rational. They just don't care. There's money in killing these babies, so we're going to kill them. Well, anyway, you had another issue you wanted to bring up Yeah. So
1: another big thing that's been happening right now is that pro-life San Francisco has obtained documents about UC San Francisco harvesting baby parts. And Pro-Life San Francisco has a fact sheet on University of California, San Francisco. According to them, this university has over 100 active abortion training programs across the country run and funded by them. And they've seemed to take up abortion as a crusade for them. Now, it's been clear that UC San Francisco has utilized... Aborted baby parts. Right. So, Pro Life San Francisco submitted a public records request under the California Public Records Act to gain insight into the university's abortion training program, including any protocols and procedures for determining viability and what their protocol is when a baby is born alive after the procedure. So, babies born alive during an abortion procedure, as well as the protocols and procedures regarding the care of that child. And the last one that they requested was human fetal tissue procurement logs. So they requested this in July of 2019. It was received and they got notification that it was received. It was ignored by the university until 2020 when Pro Life San Francisco retained legal counsel.
0: Right. Yeah. Just
1: happens. We went through
0: this when I was doing <laughs> line five. Yeah, um, refusing to comply with a FOA request. The mm-hmm. CDC just told us, sue us, we're not going to give them to you. Hmm. Literally, they told us that.
1: So in correspondence with attorneys from Pro-Life San Francisco, UCSF admitted that regarding to the first two requests, meaning protocols and procedures for determining viability and what happens if a baby's born alive, there were no documents to turn over because... UCSF, the Women's Options Centers, the abortion clinics that's tied to the university, have no protocol for determining the viability of abortion survivors or providing care to them. So no rules. No rules. Now, the documents they sent over, some of them were the consent form for women to donate tissue. And there was an interesting thing that I wanted to mention. Under the section stating, if you are willing to donate pregnancy tissue, the following statements apply. It has a line there stating, My decision about tissue donation will not affect how or when my abortion is done. Regardless of what I decide, the doctor will complete my abortion in the usual way.
0: We know that's a lie. Yeah. That's a ball face lie. Um, Yeah. We prove that Mm -hmm. they do alter the procedures to get better parts. Yeah. And some of them will even admit that they do that.
1: Mm -hmm. And so the tissue logs that they sent over. Details the parts that they're collecting, as well as the arrival time and departure time of the collector, which I'm sure has to do with billing. But the dates are from June 2020 to June 2021, which I think is interesting because this is in California where they've had the strictest lockdown. So while everybody else was shut down, the baby parts harvesting was rocking and rolling. And out of 43 logs, 42 document the harvesting of genitalia in or gonads from these babies. Most of the orders also included orders for kidneys and bladder. And one had a procurement of the entire lower half of the baby.
0: Yeah, we were the first group to document this issue of baby parts being harvested and sold. Yeah, And it's pretty ghastly. I mean, we, yeah. ha- we have all the protocols in there and we put them online. You can go online and see them. But what you have to understand is these people can sit here and say all they want to, that we're noble medical researchers trying to help out humanity. They're liars. They are savages. That's Mm -hmm. what this is. This is savagery, what these people are doing. I don't care what anybody says. I would tell that to them right to their face. I have in a couple of occasions.
1: You tell them to their face? No, I don't believe that. Yeah, it's hard to believe.
0: (laughs) It It may such a shrieking, violent and all this stuff. (laughs) But uh, what I don't want to hear Is anybody who tells me they're pro-choice and they support abortion, but this is over the top. Yeah. That's crapola. When you support legal abortion, Mm -hmm. you take everything that comes with it. Yep. This is part of it. Mm -hmm. And if there's nothing wrong with legal abortion, there's nothing wrong with what this University of California at San Francisco is doing. Yeah. They're not humans. Now, the question becomes, if they're not living human beings, what good are their parts in researching living human beings?
1: Or if it's just a clump of cells, how in the world are they able to get... Right. Gonads and reproductive organs and all these other things that they seem to be able to... Be so interested in. Be so interested in. Yeah. Now, do you want to go ahead and talk about the Buffett connection to all this? Well,
0: yeah, we covered this years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. University of California at San Francisco Mm -hmm. is, bar none, Mm -hmm. the most radically pro-abortion entity in America. Yeah. And when they started seeing that the biggest problem the abortion industry faced was a lack of abortionists because yeah. legitimate doctors don't want to do this. The
1: irony of choice, choosing are, not to do abortion. Choosing abortions. not to do
0: it, is putting them yeah. out of business. They created a special department to do nothing but train people in abortion procedures so mm-hmm. they would go out to abortions. Yeah, There was even talk at one time, and I don't know if the University of California, San Francisco was involved in this, but I know some other universities were, where they were going to go outside the country and offer training and help in getting a medical license in the United States to doctors outside the country who may have very sketchy training at best Mm -hmm. if they were willing to do abortions in the United States once they got here. And that's why you see a lot, a disproportionate number of the people who actually do abortions in this country are not medically trained in the United States. Hmm. But anyway, when the University of California at San Francisco started this program to train abortionists, Mm -hmm. At the time we looked at this, I'm sure it's a lot more by this point,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at the time when we were investigating, they had been given over $60 million for this project by Warren Buffett.
1: Mm-hmm. Pro-Life San Francisco says it was confirmed by the University of California that in 2018, Buffett gave $52 million to the Ryan Residency Program, which is this program right. that trains abortionists, between 2012 and 2017 alone. And it says tax records show that he has been funding the Bixby Center of the university that handles part of this stuff, as early as 2001. And then the Buffett Foundation's current director of U.S. Programs, Tracy Weiss, is also the founding director of the Bixby Center's and Sierra program.
0: Right.
1: So they're intricately tied together.
0: We have a cadre of ultra-wealthy elitist mm-hmm. eugenicists.
1: Who have taken up the abortion mantle. Whether
0: you're talking about George Soros or Warren Buffett, the Bill, Bill and Gates. Melinda Gates. Mm-hmm. These people are radical eugenicists.
1: And we covered this in Siege. And if you haven't read Siege, I really recommend that you go read that and learn about this.
0: Yeah, it's obscene what's mm-hmm. going on out here. And, you know, we have to, and when I say we, I mean the, the entire pro-life movement. Not only do we not get money from the government like Planned Parenthood does, mm-hmm. We have to fight these entities that get money from these people hundred, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Literally in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I said, at the time when we researched this several, many years ago, Buffett had already given over $60 million to that one university. Mm-hmm. $60 million to one university to train abortionists. Mm-hmm. And in America today, or in the world today, not just in America.
1: That's a substantial amount of money. Large
0: amounts of money are hard to overcome in the political process. Yeah. And to me, it speaks to the tenacity of the pro-life movement. And I wrote a little book called uh, The Pact, mm-hmm. talking a little bit about this. And we'll give those to anybody who wants to We'll give them for free. They're a little track more than anything else. Yes, yeah,
1: so if you want to request a free copy, we'll put the link in the description here. Right,
0: and just get your free track, and we'll send it to you. Or it's also online. You can yeah. it online. Anyway, we can be very critical of the pro-life movement. And I am sometimes critical of certain aspects of the pro-life movement and certain things that we do and don't do and so forth. But you think about this. If you went in January 22nd, 1973, Roe versus Wade comes down. Mm -hmm. If you went in right then and said, okay, let's analyze where this battle's headed. Mm -hmm. Okay, the pro-abortion side is going to have absolute, total control over the media. Mm -hmm. They're going to have total, absolute control over the academic community. They're going to have total, absolute control over Hollywood. Yeah. And they're going to have hundreds of millions of dollars available to them from these eugenicists like Buffett and Soros and Bill and Melinda Gates. Mm -hmm. Those people are going to pour billions of dollars into this. The pro-life movement is not going to have any of that. And yet. And yet, here we are winning. Mm -hmm. After all these years, even the pro-aborts are out there saying that the pro-life side is winning. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's a testament to this tenacity and I think what it's more than anything a symbol of. And that is that we are doing God's work. Mm -hmm. God is blessing us. The world would look at our situation and say, you guys are fooling yourself. You won't last two weeks.
1: And yet we've been here over 40 years. Uh,
0: Yeah, we closed in on 50 years Mm -hmm. and we haven't won yet.
1: But we're still here. But we're, we're still, still here.
0: And, you know, I often make the point, if you go back to uh, 1992, the abortion rate was $1.7 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's about 600000 Yeah. The abortion clinics were rocking and rolling. They were bringing in money hand over fist. Now most of them are just hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Public opinion polls have dramatically shifted toward the pro-life side. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the reduction in the abortion rate, and the number of clinics, there were 2,126 freestanding abortion clinics in 1992 when I started Life Dynamics. Today, there are about 500. Mm-hmm. So three-fourths of them have closed And you see Planned Parenthood
1: conglomerating some of their clinics into mega centers, Right.
0: And having one appointment line for 15 different clinics because they can't afford all the people. But if you look at just the reduction in the abortion rate,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what we're seeing right now is that... Every day, not in a year, but every day, there are more than 2,500 babies fewer being killed today than there were in 1992. Yep. Per day, 2,500 babies are spared that would have been killed in 1992. So we have made tremendous progress. And we bring up all of these things about the amount of money that the other side has, their stranglehold on the media, their stranglehold on academia, their stranglehold on Hollywood, And the fact that these people are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into it. How do we beat these guys? Well, I don't know how we beat them, but I know we have been beating them. Mm -hmm. And Christians will particularly will say, can we really win this without the help of the church and the church won't help us? Well, we've been doing it without the church. Yeah, We've never had the church on our side yet. Mm -hmm. And yet we're making all this progress. And so sure, we have problems and sure, we have internal conflicts and we have differences of opinion about stuff. But the fact is... This movement, to me, is an absolute miracle Mm -hmm. because I don't think anybody would have given us any shot to win this deal back in 73 if they knew the things that we know now. Mm They said, well, six weeks from now, you guys will be. And matter of fact, there were even pro-aborts at the time who were saying that, that the pro-life movement will dry up and go away. And, you know, a few months, they'll be gone. But never happened, and it's not going to. But anyway- We're out of time. You got anything else there?
1: If you like the podcast, make sure you go leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. We've got a link in the description of where you can go do that. And make sure that you share this episode with your friends as well as other episodes because there's a lot of important information in these episodes that I don't really see anybody else talking about. Right. And subscribe to the podcast.
0: And what that means is we're out of time until next Thursday. Remember, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight.
1: Mm -mm, We're here to win.
0: Because winning is how the killing stops. We will talk to you next week.
1: Bye, guys.